Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angels to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who was to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Well, good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. I've done a, a few sermons in my time now, but today could be a first because I might have to wear glasses. I've been increasing the font size every time, but 20 24 font doesn't fit on the page anymore. Um, I will tell you, though, that if I do wear glasses, I can see the page, but you'll be blurred out. It's not those fancy glasses, so if you want to go and sleep, I won't even know about it. <laughs> All right. Is that up yet? Okay. Uh, so we're a week away from Christmas uh, where we look back in time to the birth of the Lord Jesus and our minds turn to Christmas, typical Christmas things but today we're going to flip that around and instead we're going to look at an event to come which will be the second coming of Jesus and I have three yet points for that but let me start with a prayer. Father, as we come to Christmas, where we look back in time when you sent your son as a babe, today we look to the future, to an event that is yet to come, the second coming of your son. Please help us to have open eyes and minds to hear what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so the first yet statement, first of three, is that the second coming of the Lord Jesus is predicted, yet it will be sudden. Let's have a look at the, the predictions or the prophecies that occur many, many times in the Bible. So Jesus, he said, I will come back. Big saying, I will be back. I'm, this is not it. I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to take you, faithful believer, to be with me where I am. That's a promise. And then in Thessalonians, the Lord himself will descend from, he's going to come down because he went up and he's going to come down again and he gave a warning. He said, behold, I'm, I'm coming soon. So the first coming of the Messiah was, we know, predicted in the Old Testament. In, in Micah, we learn that the ruler of Israel will come from Bethlehem. And, and Isaiah tells us that the virgin will conceive and bear a son named Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. And in Isaiah, it says that God's righteous servant will justify many. And there are many other verses that allude to the first coming of the baby Jesus. And these prophecies, of course, were fulfilled in the birth, death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. 
and the prophecies all came true. Historical fact. But the second coming that's yet to come has also been predicted. So I'm starting off with part A of yet one. Uh, the second coming is the yet to be fulfilled prophecy. It's gonna be the final instalment in God's phenomenal and massive plan to rescue his people. And if you look at the Bible, God's got this calendar of events, right? Like create the world, tick, that's done. Create human beings, tick, that happened, Adam and Eve. Then we had the fall, but soon after that, another big event we often overlook is this proclamation that God's got a, a rescue plan in Genesis 3, right? That's the proto-evangelium we learnt from John last week. Tick, that was proclaimed, I'm coming. Fast forward in time, hundreds, thousands of years, we learn that this Messiah, now we know, God doesn't say at the start, but later on he says, this rescuer is going to be born in the town of Bethlehem. Declaration, tick, that was announced. And a bit of time later, another proclamation, he'll be pierced for our transgressions in our sight, tick. And then he was born, tick, crucified, tick, rose again, tick. So in God's calendar, timeline calendar of massive events, they're all done except one. The second coming is predicted, but it's not yet ticked off. But it's on its way. It is coming. It will happen. It's unavoidable. It's unstoppable. And God's final box will be ticked. So we know it's coming because we've been told over and over and over again. Apart from being predicted, though, we know it's going to be very, very sudden. For in those... and so um, Jesus likens the unexpectedness of his return with that of the flood back in the Old Testament. And you can see there, right up until the flood, people were just going about normal life, just completely oblivious to what was about to unfold, this, this catastrophic flood that encompassed the whole earth. Normal daily activities, they're drinking, eating, finding a spouse, you know, here and now focused on life back then. And if you fast forwarded to today, you can exchange those things for 2023 things like, you know, having investments, career progression, social media fixation, studying, making the house look perfect, stressing about what to wear, worrying about Christmas Day, normal daily things, right? But so too will it be when Jesus comes again. It's going to be instantaneous, without warning. It will be sudden, but it won't surprise us followers of him. We've been told over and over again that this will happen. Don't be surprised or shocked. Non-believers, though, remain completely unaware. So yet number one is it's predicted but it will be sudden. Yet number two is the second coming of Jesus will be global, yet individual. Look at this Bible verse. Immediately, 
After the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man, listen, coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So this second coming will be global. That's the first thing. When Jesus comes again, it's quite miraculous when you think about it, he will appear all over the earth at exactly the same time. It's so clear from this. If you're living in the part of the world where it's, the sun is up and it's daylight, whether you're living in the half of the world where it's darkness and the moon is out, whether in the northern hemisphere or the south, no matter what continent you are living on, whether you're asleep or awake, every single person at that time will see Jesus coming. That is a cataclysmic, God-only event that is absolutely going to take place. Every person will experience this never-seen-before event at exactly the same time. It's going to be phenomenal and cataclysmic. Stars will fall. They'll be shaking in heaven. And Jesus will be coming very differently to the first time. Next time, he will come with power and great glory. I remember singing uh, a song uh, when I was younger called... The, remember the Servant King? By, by Graham Kendrick. I'm going to put the, the words up because uh, this is a, a, quite a contrast to what I'm talking about. This is, the, this is, this is a Christmas, like, from heaven... I'm not going to sing, don't worry. From heaven you came, helpless babe. Remember, you know the song? Entered our world, your glory veiled, not to be served but to serve and give your life that we might live. So you came, helpless babe, right? That's the first coming. That is not the second coming. The first Jesus was a helpless babe, couldn't walk, couldn't talk. He came not to be served, but to serve. Round one, tick, that's done. Typical scene, isn't it? Nativity scene, cute baby, everyone feels good, everyone's smiling, little baby's there, lovely, feel good. That's not what's going to be like. No way. This is what it's going to be like. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. So it's not a baby that's coming the second time. It's a rider on a horse. He won't be helpless, a helpless babe. He's coming to wage war. Babies don't wage war. And his eyes the next time will be like fire because he's furious. And he's coming with many crowns, which are symbolic of his supreme and unparalleled authority. The first time, many did not recognise his divine authority, but all will know exactly his authority when he comes again. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. The armies of heaven will follow him dressed in fine white linen. Hey, I've got a question for you. Can you think of an army anywhere in time or in the world where the soldiers wear white linen uniforms? No, there are none. What do soldiers wear? They wear, they wear armour, hard, isn't it? Or they wear camouflage so they can't be seen. Not God's army. They wear soft linen, pure white. They won't be trying to hide and blend in. And white stands out for all to see, and the white linen won't get dirty. Don't be deceived. Don't think that this is some final cataclysmic battle between the forces of good and evil with, you know, with angels slaying demons. You know those historical movies where you see this panoramic scene 
And on one hill, there's this massive army, you know, on horses on one side, and they're on horses and they've got, they got swords, and then there's a little valley, and then the other side, on the other hill, there's this another equally enormous army with thousands of soldiers ready to go, and, and the camera scene just pans across and there's silence, you know, waiting for some general to give the call to charge. You know, and there's this, it's all, they're all the same, aren't they? This silence, when, who's going to go first, you know? And then some general goes charge, and then they go, and they all scream and they run at each other, and they slay and stab and behead and, you know, and it goes on for hours and hours and then at the end there's this silent scene and there are all these bodies on the ground. It's not like, going to be like that, I can assure you. It won't be like those historical movie scenes. This is no battle because there'll be no fighting. It'll be instantaneous. He's going to come in an instant and this will be over in an instant. Blink and you'll miss it. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when he comes the second time, his fury will be totally unleashed. There'll be no opposition. The first coming, Jesus was tortured and put to death. Now it's the reverse. The first time he came to serve, next time he will be served. The first time he came to be put to death, the second time... He will put to death things. Make no mistake, this event is coming. It'll be joyful, yet horrific. It'll be joyful for the true believers, for those who have been faithful, not perfect, but genuinely and heartfully done their best to serve the Lord, confess their sins, acknowledge that they are nothing without him, and worship him. When he comes, he will collect us and will be spared God's raging fury that will be in his eyes. And the sword and the fiery eyes will not be directed at those who truly follow him and will be instantly changed, no more in our mortal bodies, our residents will change also from this temporal worldly existence to our eternal dwelling to experience exceeding joy forevermore. Yet it'll be horrific. He is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him, so shall it be. Amen. We, we had that in the Bible reading. Well done this morning reading that. The nations will mourn. The Greek word here for mourn appears only one other time in the whole Bible. It's when the people are standing around the cross and Jesus is crucified at the end of his earthly life, because you don't come back from crucifixion normally, and the people are mourning because they know that he's about to die. And many will mourn at the second coming because they'll be filled with utter regret for not having turned to the only one who can save. What do you, you mourn something that's lost forever. You don't, you don't mourn for anything else. You mourn for something you can't get back. And they're going to mourn because they will come face to face with the King of Kings who will come with raging fury and fire in his eyes and they will know, sadly, it's too late. There's no second chance and judgment will be pronounced on them and never-ending mourning will await them. Can you think of the most horrifying words you could ever be told in your life? I'll tell you what they are. They're not mine. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? But I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me. It's a warning, isn't it, to, to us? What it is, it's about us being relationally grateful, I think. You want to be known? It's about being relationally grateful. 
every day, not when it suits you. But these horrifying words, I never knew you, are the worst that could ever be told to you. Oh, but I said grace before every meal. Mm, no, I don't know you. Oh, but I went to youth group when I was younger. No, I don't know you. But I asked for help when I needed it. No, your name's not in my book. Warning. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Don't be asleep, wake up. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this second coming, eternal life, make every effort, not being perfect, make a genuine effort, do your personal best to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. You can't be perfect. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we sin. But you can choose to avoid ongoing willful sinning. And if you're struggling with something, go and talk to Evan or some other mature Christian person you know who, who knows the Bible well. Confess your sin, repent, don't go back. If you're spiritually awake, rejoice and await expectantly for the second coming of our Messiah. If you're sleeping, wake up. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't leave today. Come and speak to me or Evan or someone afterwards. Don't leave. This is the most important information in the whole wide world. It's important we as believers, we don't have nothing to fear about this massive event that's somewhere on the horizon. And you know, it could be today, I don't know. It could be any time at all. People try to predict it, but Jesus said that can't happen. But it's going to be massive and everyone will know about it and see it and experience it. It's going to be global, but also very personal. It's going to be everywhere at the same time. It's going to be joyful for us because we hold on to him. We've said, yep, this is all true. Yep, God, you're real. Yep, I believe you died on the cross for me. I acknowledge that I'm fallen short and I need your help. There's only one way out of this mess of the life and that's you and I'm putting my faith and trust of you and I'm holding on to you, I'm following you, I'm staying right beside you all the way. No turning back, no turning back. I'm going to make mistakes but I'm going to keep pushing on, running the race towards the goal and at the end, Jesus will not say to you, go away, he will say, come in, let's pray. Father God, thank you for sending the Lord Jesus the first time and we ask that you would please help us to live lives in worthy expectation of his second coming and we believe it will definitely happen. May we be not fearful but rather full of joy and we pray that your gospel would continue to be proclaimed to every tribe, nation and tongue so many more will be able to be prepared for your return. In Jesus' name, Amen.